The views in this do not necessarily reflect the views of WKNC, Student Media, or NCSU. You're listening to Eye on the Triangle on WKNC 88.1. Good evening, Raleigh, and welcome to this week's Eye on the Triangle. The time is 7.13. It is Tuesday, October 14th, and on behalf of the EOT team here at WKNC, I'd like to thank you for tuning in. I'm Nick Savage. Tonight, we bring you an interview with a biomedical engineering professor here at NC State and his work in finding innovative ways to fight diseases. In addition, we have coverage on an event featuring a special visitor here to Raleigh, and of course, your weekly happenings around campus. But first, let's find out what's in the news beyond the headlines. This weekend news on Eye on the Triangle. A brief rundown of the latest news. Voters in Bosnia-Herzegovina showed their frustration with the current ruling parties and the social unrest and economic stagnation they oversaw by putting the opposing party nationalists who are likely to cause more dysfunction in the country due to little shared visions of the country in the lead for the tri-party presidency. Leading up to the general elections Monday, October 13th, months of violent protests plagued the country in response to discontent over crime, corruption, and a 44% unemployment rate. The central government, which consists of three presidents that represent each of the primary ethnic groups in the region, and a parliament presides over the two self-administrating regions the country divides itself into, one for the Serbs and others shared by the Bosniaks and Croats. Though it won't alter the government's stance on the issue, the British Parliament's vote in favor voted in favor of recognizing Palestine as a state for symbolic value Monday, October 13th. However, the UK does not classify Palestine as a state, but states but state that it could do so at any time if aided peace if it aided peace efforts between Palestine and Israel. The UK Prime Minister David Cameron abstained from the vote. At least one person was killed when a 7.3 magnitude earthquake hit the coast of El Salvador late last night, Monday, October 13th. Emergency services reported only slight damage to homes closer to the quake and that the coastal area appeared calm. Placing a tsunami alert in effect out of caution, emergency services still urge those living by the coast to move inland. Reports from Central America indicate that the earthquake was felt in many countries there as well, but no details of injuries or damage followed. Part of a government headquarters in Mexico's southern state of Guerrero went up in flames Monday, October 13th, by protesters demanding the return of the 43 students missing since an attack September 26th by gang-linked police. Hundreds of students and teachers raided the government complex and then later broke into the city hall and shattered windows, calling for the resignation of Governor Angel Aweri. The students from a teacher training college outside Guerrero's capital city vanished when their buses were shot at by the community police and gang allies in the city of Iwala. The protesters have threatened to increase and radicalize their actions, which include the previous day's events, as well as a fire set to the local parliament's library days after the students disappeared. Authorities have detained 26 Iwala police officers suspected of conspiring with gangs and are currently investigating whether any of the students are among the bodies found in several mass graves recently found outside the city. The barring of Palestinian Muslims from Jerusalem's Al-Aska 
mosque. Tuesday, October 14th, for police escorted Israelis led to clashes between Israeli police and Palestinian protesters. The Israelis, who were there to celebrate the Jewish holiday of Sukkot, also had access to the guarded mosque the day before. Palestinian protesters had broken through the police lines and gotten into the compound. The police responded with tear gas, rubber-coated bullets, and sound bombs. Fourteen injuries were reported due to the rubber bullets, and the compound itself was reported damaged. The mosque, which acts as one of the holiest sites in both religions, for Judaism, it stands for it stands where two ancient Jewish temples once stood, and irregular devotees are made at the western wall that lies below the compound. And for Muslims, it's believed to be the site where the Prophet Muhammad ascended to heaven. Jewish visits to the mosque have been a sore spot for many in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, and many Palestinians have accused the visits to be politically motivated. More pressure for access to the mosque by Orthodox Jews haven't helped tensions. After another building collapsed last year in Bangladesh that killed over 1,100 people, a group of Western clothing brands, including the world's biggest fashion chains, Inditex and H&M, hired inspectors to evaluate the safety of clothing factories in the country. After initial inspections of just over 1,000 factories were completed, safety inspectors reported Tuesday, October 14th, that there were safety hazards in every industrial unit. Following the building collapse in April 2013, the Accord for Fire and Safety in Bangladesh has since found over 80,000 safety issues. The Accord has discovered that many of the issues could be solved easily enough, such as shifting excessive loads from higher floors, but other repairs, such as reinforcing support columns and installing fire doors and alarms, are also worryingly absent and are now being demanded by the Accord team. The first inspections of some of the factories have promising results, though, as each factory was visited three times to ensure safety measures have been taken. The Accord team is also working together with factory owners, brands, and labor colleagues to make the repairs happen. And that's the news for this week. Back to you, Nick. Thanks, Sydney. It's not a stretch of the imagination to say that there's some pretty incredible research happening here at NC State. Last week, we brought you a feature about an industrial engineering professor helping local food banks. This week, we've got another incredible story of a biomedical engineering professor's work to fight cancer more effectively. Have a listen. A bio-inspired nano-cocoon for drug delivery. It is as complicated as it sounds, but it's the leading edge of research for fighting diseases, and it's happening right here at NC State. Dr. Zen Gu is a professor in biomedical engineering, and this research is his focus. We are doing research on drug delivery and biomaterials, especially for treating cancer and diabetes. Actually, our lab is especially interested in developing so-called smart drug delivery systems. That means that we apply certain formulations, devices, materials to encapsulate certain drug inside and we add some stimuli responsible trigger to the formulations to make sure the drug can be released at the right time and the right places. So, for example, we are also interested in diabetes treatments and we encapsulate insulin into some materials, some formulations, and once the blood sugar level goes up, the materials can be degraded or swelling and release the insulin encapsulated inside correspondingly. Dr. Gu is the senior author of a study published just yesterday that outlines the results of a very unique technique in the fight against cancer. The essential idea in fighting cancer cells is to degrade and destroy the cells using specific drugs, like doxorubicin. The problem, however, is that such drugs are often unable to discriminate between the harmful cancer cells and regular cells in our body. This becomes problematic during chemotherapy. Doxorubicin is a commonly used drug, and however, during the general chemotherapy, 
if you directly inject the dosorubicin to the body, the drug will be widely distributed in the body, including the healthy tissues, and it can damage the the healthy, the good cells. That's where this study comes in. The goal is to engineer targeted drug delivery to specifically deliver doxorubicin to the tumor sites. Ensuring that doxorubicin acts only on the tumor sites would also allow the dose to be less than is currently used. And not only is it targeted for the specific cancer sites, it's less harmful than existing targeted drug delivery systems. So far, in order to achieve the targeted drug delivery, people have already developed many methods using different nanocarriers, and most materials are based on synthetic materials. And the synthetic materials sometimes can cause some biocompatible issues. And、uh, so here we apply the DNA-based material, so which is very biocompatible and can significantly reduce the immune response. The treatment design is described as a bio-inspired nano cocoon. According to Dr. Gu, the bio-inspired aspect refers to the idea of how a caterpillar might enter a cocoon, and when conditions are right, the cocoon will break down and let the butterfly out. In this case, the conditions refer to the inside of a cancer cell and. The butterfly would be a cancer-killing drug. Inside the such cocoon, we encapsulate the enzyme together with the anti-cancer drug. And for the enzyme, actually, it's so-called DNAs, which can digest the DNA-based material. But inside such cocoon, the DNAs is encapsulated in some polymeric shell, which is acidic degradable. So outside of cells, everything is good. The DNA is encapsulated such material, so it can't digest the cocoon. However, inside the cells, the polymeric shell can be digested by the acidic environment inside the cells, like endosome. And so then the DNA can quickly get out and digest the DNA nanococoon. And later, on, since the material matrix is digested and the encapsulated drug can also be quickly released out corresponding. Forming this kind of DNA cocoon is actually pretty simple. Dr. Gu explains that it only takes the right kind of liquid solution to make a nanoball form. To make the DNA nanoball, we apply the method, so-called rolling circle amplification (RCA) method, and we apply another enzyme to make such nanoball, consisting only one single DNA chain. And in a certain solution, such DNA chain will be sampled assembly into a DNA nanoball to form such a sphere structure. When this kind of DNA sphere is formed, the cancer-killing drug is encapsulated inside, along with the shielded enzyme, and little else needs to be done to prepare the particle for application. The dosorubicins can specifically target to the DNA of the cancers, so it has such a specific affinity to the DNA naturally. So we can simply mix the dosorubicin drug together with such DNA nanoball, and the drug can be naturally sucked by the DNA nanoball. So the advantage of such system is, it、uh, so the advantage、uh, of such system includes that so first of all it's like a, a targeted drug delivery it can specifically target into the cancers and the second thing it can guarantee that the drug can be encapsulated in the DNA nanoball tightly outside of cells and however inside cells the drug can be quickly released. The research has already been going very well, and Dr. Gu plans to step up the level of trials being conducted over the next few years. We have already started some animal study based on the mice, and we would like to later on get the grants to perform the large animal studies, so-called preclinical trials. And if the results are successfully demonstrated, and we will immediately test on human beings. For I in the Triangle, I'm Nick Savage.
This weekend, we have a very special event taking place here in Raleigh, and Saba brought us coverage on it. Have a listen. What's up, NC State? This weekend, there's going to be an awesome event called Get Rad for Ray. It's an event presented by Endless Grind Skate Shop and organized by a group of skateboarding legends for them to honor and pay tribute to fellow legend Ray Underhill. Ray unfortunately passed in 2008 due to a chordoma brain tumor that he had been suffering from and fighting in the last two years of his life. However, before this tragic turn in his life, he created a career for himself and what he loved most. And with that, he became a skateboarding legend. In the 1980s, he joined the infamous Bones Brigade, where he became a part of a skateboarding family and became close friends with Tony Hawk. Tony organized this event in hopes of keeping Ray's skateboarding legacy alive, bringing the community together to support the fight against Cordoma and to have a great time in Ray's name. Other friends and skate legends who will be showing their support this Saturday will be Eddie Elguera, Christian Hosoy, Ben Rayborn, Grant Taylor, Mike McGill, Kern Caples, Ben Hatchell, Kevin Staub, Brad McLean, and so many more. The whole event is going to be 80s themed Pro Skate Jam, where all your favorite pros are going to be boarding together. There's also going to be festival food vendors, a beginner skate clinic, raffles, and even an amateur contest. Come out with your boards and have an awesome day. And if you want to participate in the skate clinic, make sure to register at Endless Grind Skate Shop at their website or Vertical Urge. And if you want to compete in the amateur skate contest, make sure to hit up www.theboard.com dot com slash gr four r okay so that's www.theboardr.com slash gr four r it's gonna be this saturday october 18th 11 a.m to 4 p.m at marsh creek skate park here in raleigh so clear your schedules for this upcoming saturday because you know you're gonna want to come out and chill at the most awesome skate festival to hit raleigh hope to see you there thanks saba the city of raleigh has a huge parks referendum coming up and if you're not sure what's on it, have a listen to Michaela's coverage. The city of Raleigh has approved a $9.17 million bond referendum for parks, recreation, and cultural resources for the November 4th ballot. The bond referendum approved by the city council at its July 15th meeting will improve and expand existing parks and recreational facilities, acquire new land for parks, and construct new parks and recreational facilities throughout Raleigh. If approved by voters, the bond will necessitate a 1.72 cent increase in Raleigh's property tax to go into effect July 1st, 2015, which means an owner of a $150,000 home would pay about $25 more a year. Projects for this will be implemented in phases over the next five to seven years, the first of which will begin in fall 2015. The last parks bond referendum was in 2007. Some of the parks and facilities are Brentwood, Apollo Heights, Walnut Creek, and the greenway around Crabtree, there will also be improvements in the Poland Arts Center. The people and organizations involved are the Raleigh City Council, current members of the city boards and commissions, the CAC chairs, business owners, parks and recreation advocates, coaches, and other stakeholders. Group members will be responsible for raising funds to pay for communications, materials, and other resources all in support of the upcoming bond, such as signage, print materials, and media placement. The advocates voluntarily participate in this process, and staff will work with the advocates according to their ability and willingness to volunteer. For Eye on the Triangle, I'm Michaela O'Connor. Thanks, Michaela. And now, your campus happenings for the following week.
I'm DJ Trillian, and this is your community calendar. Tomorrow is an information session about funding your study abroad, hosted by NC State's Study Abroad Office. Many college students believe that study abroad is too pricey for them. However, study abroad at NC State is affordable and can be a reality for most. The Study Abroad Office, with support from donors and academic units, will distribute more than $230,000 in scholarship funding this spring term in support of study abroad. This is up almost $50,000 since spring 2012. There is a wealth of additional scholarship funds available nationally and internationally. To learn more about making study abroad a reality, visit Tally Student Union, room 4280, between 11 and noon tomorrow, or visit studyabroad.ncsu.edu. Tomorrow is also the Spain Meal Day at Case, Clark, and Fountain Dining Halls. University Dining brings this highly anticipated meal to NC State, offering a glimpse into all the foods, flavors, and recipes that Spain has to offer. More information is available at dining.ncsu.edu. Tomorrow evening is also the public screening of The Anonymous People, a feature documentary film about the 23.5 million Americans living in long-term recovery and the emerging public recovery movement that will transform how alcohol and other drug problems are dealt with in our communities. The screening is open to the public and begins at 6.15 p.m. in the Erdahl Cloyd Auditorium in D.H. Hill Library. More information is available at lib.ncsu.edu. Tomorrow evening, there's another film screening. This one is for the movie Cyber Seniors. The humorous and heartwarming documentary chronicles the extraordinary journey of a group of colorful senior citizens and their equally engaging teenage mentors as the seniors discover the world of the Internet through the guidance of their youthful teachers. The charming film provides insight into the wonderful things that can happen when generation gaps are bridged and proves you are never too old to get connected. The screening is open to the public and begins at 7 p.m. in the Hunt Library Auditorium. Again, visit lib.ncsu.edu for more information. The Alternative Vehicle Showcase, originally scheduled for Wednesday, has been moved to Thursday on the Brickyard. NC State's Sustainability Office hopes to accelerate your awareness of energy-saving vehicles and actions by featuring more than a dozen fuel-efficient or fuel-alternative vehicles, including electric, diesel, hybrids, bikes, and more. Students, faculty, and staff can talk with vehicle owners and experience these vehicles up close and personal right here on campus. Visit go.ncsu.edu slash campus sustainability day for more information. This Thursday is also the next in University Library's fabulous faculty series. Thursday's event features Justin LeBlanc, an assistant professor of art and design at NC State, who impressed the judges on season 12 of Project Runway with his striking architectural fashion designs which earned him a spot in the show's finale. The show's first deaf contestant, LeBlanc became a fan favorite for his unique creations, strong work ethic, and inspiring sportsmanship. LeBlanc will talk about his design aesthetic, working with students at NC State, and life after Project Runway. Catch his speech at 3 p.m. in the D.H. Hill Library. The math department here at NC State is hosting a distinguished faculty colloquium this Thursday as well. Dr. Misra has been a member of NC State's Academy of Outstanding Teachers since 2004 and will speak on Lie Algebras and Combinatorial Identities at 4 p.m. in Sass Hall, room 1102. Until the 19th century, Japan had no word for religion. But when American warships appeared off the coast of Japan in 1853 and forced the Japanese government to sign treaties demanding, among other things, freedom of religion, the country had to contend with this Western idea. 
In this presentation, Jason Josephson from Williams College will reveal how Japanese leaders invented religion in Japan and trace the sweeping intellectual, legal, and cultural changes that followed. He will speak at 4.30 in Riddick Hall, room 321. This Friday, in recognition of Cybersecurity Awareness Month, NC State's Office of Information Technology presents the benefits of Google's two-step verification. Attendees will receive an overview of two-step and learn about the benefits of activation and step-by-step -step instructions for enabling it. The event is open to the NC State campus community and light refreshments will be provided. The event begins at noon in Scott Hall. Friday, AV Geeks present a screening of Vote and the Choice is Yours in commemoration of the 50th anniversary of the signing of the Civil Rights Act. The movie was produced in 1964 by the North Carolina Film Board and features interviews with Fayetteville State College students discussing voting and other democratic processes. Dr. Blair Kelly of NC State's Department of History will provide historical perspective and context. The screening will take place at 6 p.m. in Hunt Library. Saturday is the University Open House, the largest undergraduate, re undergraduate recruitment event of the year. Each year, the public is welcome all around campus to come and learn about undergraduate academic programs at NC State. Saturday evening, NCSU Center Stage presents the SF Jazz Collective. The all-star jazz ensemble comprises eight of the finest performers and composers at work in jazz today. Launched in 2004, it has quickly become one of the most exciting and acclaimed groups on the American and international jazz scenes. The event will take place twice on Saturday, once at 5 p.m. and again at 8 p.m. in Thompson Hall's Titmus Theater. For tickets and more information, visit arts.ncsu.edu. Sunday afternoon, the documentary Bringing It Home will be showing in the Witherspoon Student Cinema. The movie tells the story of the history of hemp, its present and its future through interviews with hemp business leaders and entrepreneurs from all over the globe, historical images and media clips, and footage filmed in the UK, Spain, Washington, D.C., California, and North Carolina. The documentary aims to magnify dialogue about hemp in order to facilitate America's transition to a more informed, sustainable, and healthy future. The producer, Linda Booker, will be there for a question and answer session after the film. This weekend at the Campus Cinema, the movies The Purge, Anarchy, Lucy, and Star Trek will be showing. Visit uab.ncsu.edu for times. For more information on these events and more, visit ncsu.edu slash calendar. For Eye on the Triangle, I'm DJ Trillian. Thanks, DJ Trillian. And that's all we have for you this evening. As always, if you heard anything you liked, you hated, or anything that made you think, let us know and tweet at us at WKNC underscore EOT, where you can also catch up on more local news. Also, be sure to check out our blog at blog.wknc.org, where you can also download our podcast. Just search Eye on the Triangle. After Hours comes up next at 8 o'clock. You can catch another episode of Eye on the Triangle next week right here at 88.1 WKNC. We'd like to thank our international news correspondent, Sidney Bloom, and contributors Michaela O'Connor and Sava Khan. For Eye on the Triangle, I'm Nick Savage. Good night.